Welcome to Growing a Greener Kenai on KDLL on this, as I say almost every time, even when it's 20 below with a lot of snow, on this fantastic Central Peninsula morning. Uh, isn't it beautiful? Boy, I tell you what, that blue stuff up in the sky seems kind of, uh, seems been kind of scarce lately, but hey, it's back and uh, we're all ready to garden. And isn't it amazing the change, the change in how much snow we had on the ground just three weeks to a month ago as opposed to today. It's absolutely incredible. Boy, and when it started going, it started going fast. We would have had, I think, a little bit faster if we could have got a little more wind. We we didn't have a lot of wind at our house. But anyway, anyway, we're we're getting back. We're we made it. We made it through another winter and we're ready to get out in the garden and do some work. I'll tell you what, uh, if you folks have a question or you want to email me, don't forget to email, me an email at growingagreenerkenai at kdll.org, or you can call in at 907-513-6169, and we'd love to talk to you for a minute. Uh, and, uh, you know, if I, if I don't have the answer to something, I'll tell you what, I can write down and I can get the answer for you. So, anyway, before we get going, I want to make a couple of announcements one of them is a big thank you to Casey Matney and for coming with me last week on the May 13th special edition of Growing a Greener Kenai, where we were helping with the KDLL fundraiser membership drive. And a great big thank you goes out to Sarah and Rupert at Kenai Feed and Fritz Miller at TNT Compost. They really helped us out with donations uh, we had uh, five members win $50 gift certificates to Kenai Feed and we had one of our listeners win a $400 value 30 cubic foot super sack of Fritz Miller's compost so for the, because of their donations and we thank you very much for that we thank everybody for participating and helping out KDLL and enjoying the garden and I also want to thank the Central Peninsula Garden Club as they gave away three one-year family memberships uh, for, for other folks that donated. So it was, a, it was a great fundraiser. Casey and I had a lot, of t a lot of fun, and I hope you folks learned something. Casey is a, my goodness, he, uh, you know, he, know, he knows a, a lot, and he knows it off the top of his head. And as I've said before, folks, I'm just a guy that likes to garden. I'm not a botanist. I can't tell you... I can't tell you the Latin name or, or all that stuff. I just know what I like. I know what I like to grow, and that, that to me is the fun. And, you know, there are a lot of folks that, I mean, it's their hobby. They like to know uh, the botanical names for the gun, the Latin names for them. So, and that's cool. If that's, uh, if that's your hobby, that's a, that can be a good hobby to have. And, and another uh, announcement I'd like to make is I think, uh, I think it was yesterday or today maybe it was that the – the slash lot for beetle kill and for brush just north of the ball fields outside of Kenai uh, going toward Nikiski, uh, just right past the, the, the ball and the, the soccer fields there. Uh, that's open now, and I think it's open Thursday through Sunday and uh, opens at 10 o'clock in the morning, and I saw somebody with their trailer full of slash already pulling in there as I was driving out to the station to, today. So anyway, that's open again. Uh, if you're if you're going to be doing a little work, we finally have had some pretty decent days to get out there and work, and uh, we are glad to see that. Well, right now we're in the oh we're in the mid fifties right now, and I'll tell you folks that for me this is I'm a little bit gun shy right now this year uh, on putting anything out. I think I'm actually for the first time. I think I'm actually going to go ahead and wait till June 1st before I put anything out in my garden. May, maybe maybe mid next week or next the next weekend. But I'll tell you what, I'm not going to be too far off of June 1st this year. You know, I've, I've, as I've told you before, uh, I typically by this time of year, I've got my broccoli, my cauliflower, my Brussels sprouts, my cabbage, everything is in my outdoor garden. And I use, as I said before, I use milk cartons with the bottom cut out of them and push them down over them as little mini greenhouses over them. 
But I'll tell you, we still are getting some really cold nights. Now, I know most of those plants, those brassicas, they can handle some of that cold weather. And I've usually got my leeks out by now, and I'm going to hold off on them a little bit. So anyway, I don't know if it makes any difference or not. Uh, but, you know, one of the old sayings that people used before you should start planting outside is when the leaves on the trees are the size of a squirrel's ear. Well, I haven't, unfortunately, I haven't been able to get any of the squirrels to sit next to a leaf on, on any of our trees that are budding out to, to do a comparison. But the leaves are looking pretty good. We're definitely getting some budding. And uh, I got a feeling the leaves are the size of a squirrel's ear right now. So we'll, uh, I think it'll be, I think it'll be pretty close, be pretty close for getting some planting outdoors. And for some of you that have already, uh, good luck, and I hope nothing happens. One of our gardeners uh, that posts on our, our website, on our uh, Central Peninsula Garden Club uh, Facebook page, rather, excuse me, just a couple of days ago, earlier in the week, in their high tunnel, they had a tray of water, you know, the, the tray, and it had ice on it in the high tunnel. I had a skim of ice on a barrel uh, that I had full of water in my greenhouse. It had ice on it just, I think it was last Monday or Tuesday. We're supposed to get some more temperatures down into the mid-30s, maybe 34, 33, coming up over the next couple of nights. And I'll tell you, I'm just not ready to chance it yet because if you folks remember, you remember a couple of years ago where we actually had a pretty good frost in July? And I know it can always frost in Alaska. It can always snow in Alaska. And, uh, they, you know, they, in fact, they've, uh, I've read where they've recorded snow in Alaska in all 12 months uh, in, the, in the local area, not just up in the mountains uh, all 12 months. So anyway, I'm a little gun-shy this year, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold off. Now, I do have some things planted in my greenhouse, but I'm even being a little bit more conservative on that this year uh, because I don't have a heated greenhouse. And if I had a heated greenhouse, I'd probably be fired up already uh, with a lot of stuff going on. We've had some of our gardeners uh, posting on uh, Facebook where they're already harvesting massive tomatoes but they've got a heated greenhouse and that is all the difference in the world now one of the things i wanted to let you folks know that that i do and i know some other folks do uh, when they're gardening especially in your greenhouse maybe your high tunnel or whatever uh, there's a couple ways to maintain a little extra heat in there what i do is i've got four barrels painted flat black and three of the barrels are used and there's a, a planting bed over the top of them. And uh, there's a little opening uh, right the front edge of the barrel where I, I fill those barrels up with water. And through the summer and through the day, a nice like today will be great. Uh, it'll start to warm that water up a little bit. And, it, and you know, it's not, I'm not going to say it's not going to get up to 90 degrees water in the barrel. But, you know, if it gets up to, if that water gets up to 60 or 65 lucky 70 if you got that lucky getting that temperature up there that's just a little bit of heat that's going to radiate out of those into the greenhouse through the night and then one other thing i do is i have my fourth barrel i have it sitting in a spot and i put a, a double liner of of uh, 55 gallon drum trash liners you know, tra tra just trash bags, the, the big black ones. And they're extra long that they fit uh, down in a 55-gallon barrel with room to spare so I can, you know, put a bungee around so they don't fall in there. And I fill that with water. And I use that. I water, I water my plants in the greenhouse, and then that water slowly starts to warm up again where I'm not shocking my plants in the greenhouse with super cold water. And then what I do with that barrel is once once uh, everything's in there, it's time to start growing. I will I will put a little bit of a uh, of a nutrient in that water. You know how a lot of these nutrients they they calculate that you need a a tablespoon for a gallon, a half a tablespoon for a gallon. Well, I do about a I do about a half about a half to, a, to sometimes a full uh, like. If it says table a tablespoon per gallon, I've got a 55-gallon barrel. I put 55 tablespoons in there with the water. And I mix it up, mix it up, and mix it up. And then I've got a continuous, I've got a continuous 
uh, fertilization water that has warmed up a little bit that I can water my plants within the greenhouse. And like I said, this early in the year, I'll probably do a, a 25 to 50% mix until the plants get a little bit bigger. And then I'll probably go to a, to a full mix of what the manufacturer's recommendations are. And I just use the miracle Grow, the blue stuff. And, you know, that seems to work pretty good. And what I'm going to try this year that I haven't done before is, is I'm going to put a, a little bit of fish emulsion in there. My wife doesn't care for the fish emulsion too much because it tends to stink a little bit. So anyway, I'm going to, I'm going to try that as a little experiment this year and see how that works with a little fish emulsion in it. And, and one of the reasons that I put the, uh, a double liner of the black trash bags in my barrel is if you don't, you know, it's hard to keep the inside of that barrel from rusting and you get all this rusty water. Well, you know, that's not necessarily that bad because, you know, plants need a little bit of iron. They're probably getting a little iron out of that water. But it's just so much easier uh, dealing with it when it's nice, clean water. And I'm pretty careful not to not to dip stuff in the barrel with a bunch of dirt on it or anything like that, my watering cans or anything like that. And I've actually thought about maybe hooking up a little sump pump in there and doing a watering system, an automatic watering system that pumps right out of the, the barrel to all my plants. And I just haven't done, I'm just thinking about doing that this year. Which brings me to the fact that my outdoor garden, I'm not sure I'm going to plant as much this year. I need to make some changes on my garden. Some of my raised beds, as I told you before, I like to use garage door panels to build my raised beds and anything with my raised beds i've got a i've got an old pickup truck bed in there that uh, i plan and it, and, it, and it works great i've got old giant truck tires those work fantastic a lot of people worry about planting in truck tires i've never worried about it i've done some research i've done some reading and i have and if someone if someone knows this if someone um has anything that contradicts what I'm going to tell you, uh, let me know. Shoot me an email and let me know that. But all the reading I've done on using tires to plan in, nothing has ever been solid that says it's bad to do. I've never found a study, that, and there have been some, that, that found pertinent information that says it's dangerous to plant in tires due to leaching of a chemical or whatever. But if it does bother you to do that, Go ahead and line your tires first with a plastic bag and just be sure that at the bottom of your plastic bag, uh, you know, you put it on the inside of however many tires you're going to stack up, put that big plastic bag in those barrels, but punch a bunch of holes in the bottom of it so the water can drain out and then set it down in the, the uh, I'm sorry, in the tires, fill it with your soil and grow in that if that's what, if that's what you feel safer doing, do that. But I've grown in tires for years. Even back in the Midwest, 40 years ago, I used to grow in tires. And I'll tell you what, you know, outside of a little tick I got in my left eye now. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, no, I, I've, but I haven't found anything that substantiates that it's bad to plan in tires. So you do it how you want to, and if it bothers you, don't do it. If you, if you try the plastic bag thing and if you don't. Now, one of the things I, I did uh, help a friend with many years ago is he built a really nice garden bed out of really heavily treated uh, railroad ties. had a lot of creosote in them. I've read a little more information about creosote that potentially, you know, that it's a carcinogen and that potentially it could affect some plants. So we built his garden bed on that, but we lined it. We put a bunch of, of liners uh, in it uh, and fixed drainage in it. And he planted in that for years and he never had a problem either. So, uh, you know, it's just one of the things to look out for. And also from everything I've read, for people that want to make a, a garden bed of any kind, a little raised bed out of treated lumber, you know, the green lumber now that we typically get at the big box store, that stuff is now treated to be rot resistant with non-carcinogenic materials. So those are really safe now. And you can look it up, you know, uh, we look everything up on the, on the, on the net, Google it, you know, uh, Microsoft, MSN it, or whatever you like to use for your browser. But yeah, that it. Uh, uh, but th but that stuff's really safe now. It's it's super safe now. So I, I just don't. But but you know, and I just don't worry about that stuff. But like I said, if you do, uh, take the precautions you feel are necessary that make you feel comfortable, and um, and do it that way. 
So anyway, you know, one of the things, folks, I want to I want to talk about a little bit, too, is is uh, are, are we as I said a minute ago, are we OK with the weather? You know, I, I think we are, but I'm still going to be conservative. I told you I'm, I'm going to be a little conservative. And one of the things I tried this year that just now is starting to work a little bit is I planted my garlic in a couple of small raised bed, uh, garage door panel raised bed uh, plants, planters that I've got out in my garden proper. Well, I checked, you know, a lot of a lot of my friends and a lot of folks posting their garlic's up already. Mine was nothing. Mine hadn't been doing anything. So I went out a couple of days ago, dug up a couple of bulbs, and lo and behold, there's a bunch of green sprouts coming out of them. But I think the reason that is, is since they weren't planted in the ground, they were planted in these raised beds, that soil was had the opportunity to really freeze hard. So I doubt I'd do that next year. That's not going to be, unless they just come out great this year. I'll tell you, uh, yeah, I was really getting worried because there was nothing going on. So what I've done now is uh, I put a, a plastic sheet over it, let the sun beat on that plastic, uh, clear plastic sheet to try and warm that soil up a little bit. But like I said, I'm encouraged because I dug up a couple of cloves and they had they had uh, they were starting to sprout so hopefully i'll get a good uh, a good uh, garlic crop out of that thing so let's also talk a little bit as we get going into the season with soil temperatures just yesterday i was out with my soil thermometer my compost thermometer stuck it down in my raised beds temperature was 42 degrees so that's another reason why I'm going to wait. And with this good sun, when I get home, I didn't get a chance to do it this morning. But with this, well, there's a few clouds out there. But I'm going to go out there and I'm going to put my clear plastic over my, my main beds again in the hopes that that sun will go through there, create, create a little greenhouse effect under that plastic, and warm my soil up. Now, there's a couple of schools of thought on that, and one of them is some people say you should use black plastic. Other people say you should use clear plastic. You know, I go with the theory that the clear plastic makes more of a greenhouse effect. And what I've read about the black plastic that you put down is that it'll warm your soil up, but it does better if the plastic is in direct contact with the soil to get a heat transfer now you know I, I and there again that's one of those things that whatever you like and whatever you've done whatever your folks did or whatever you learned you do what you like to do I personally like to use the plastic the clear, clear well you know it's opaque it's stuff you get at the big box store it's kind of opaque because it does it makes a greenhouse effect under there just like your greenhouse would be except it's under plastic the tough part about using the clear stuff, if you're going to use it, for instance, for mulch through the summer to keep weeds down, the weeds will grow underneath that plastic like there's no tomorrow because they like that. They like the weather system underneath that plastic as much as the plants do. So under that circumstance, after my soil warms up, I'm going to I'm going to use some uh, black uh, Tipar, you know, the 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 big fabric, the fabric things that you can get at uh, the uh, oh, what's on my Lord? Oh, it's like spinards or something. Uh, get it in different lengths. So I'm gonna I'm gonna put those uh, on my raised beds uh, to grow through instead of clear plastic. But I like to use the clear plastic to to me anyway. It helps to warm up the soil. My soil temperatures in my greenhouse, which I'm hoping really really helps today. Uh, it was it was still like 54 in my greenhouse. And that's getting that's getting better, but it's taking it a little it's taking it a little while to fire up too, and uh, so I'm a little bit careful. But right now I still have all my starts. I've told you folks before, I built a little mini greenhouse that goes in my big greenhouse that I have all my plants in, and then uh, if it's going to get very cold at night, uh, there's a little heater that can come on and warm up that little mini greenhouse, and I'm probably going to use that. Uh, according to the weather report, I'm going to use that probably for two more nights. Now, last night I didn't turn the heater on. I just left everything covered. And this morning everything seemed to be okay. And I might not turn the heater on, but I think I'm still going to leave everything covered as a just-in-case. 
because all my stuff's doing all my stuff's doing pretty good. Uh, my corn is doing fantastic, and in fact, I need for the temperatures to go up. I started my start my corn in uh, in little uh, you know the little packets, uh, the cells, and it is oh it's it's getting ready to be too tall for my little mini greenhouse. So I got to get those in in the ground proper, and uh, I'm hoping to do that. I might do that on Monday, and maybe tomorrow if we'll see. You know, so I'm just I'm just a little bit uh, just a little bit spooked on to get all that stuff out. I do have some radishes, and I got onions in my greenhouse, and I know you can grow onions outdoors, but I'm trying them in the greenhouse this year. So we'll we'll see how that works. All right, one of the things that I wanted to talk about with you folks today also, and we talked about hardening off, we've talked about all, you know, Casey and I talked about pests last week, and, but one of the things I wanted to talk to folks today about is companion planting. One of the things I'm going to try this year and is for, for pests, and as you know, we all Oh, we all fight uh, spider mites and aphids and white flies and, uh, you know, oh, cabbage, cabbage worms, root worms. Well, I'm going to do this in my greenhouse this year, but I'm going to try some companion planting in my greenhouse. For instance, in my tom- with my tomatoes, I'm going to plant short sunflowers. Yep, I'm going to plant short sunflowers because they will help keep the bugs down according to the research I've done. You know, you know, not only not only are sunflowers pretty and they're interesting, they can help protect tomatoes like there's no tomorrow. They help repel aphids and are also kind of known from what my research is to keep white flies away. Uh, and both of those are the nemesis of a tomato, aphids, you know. So by simply planting some sunflowers uh, by your tomatoes, you can help help your plants. And then at the end of the summer, you got, if you're lucky, you got some wonderful sunflower heads uh, to boot. So uh, I'm going to do that this year. And like I said, these are going to be the short sunflowers that maybe only get uh, uh, three foot tall or that. But I'm going to interplant them with my tomatoes. And see how that does. Uh, I'm also, we've got a pretty good crop of marigolds this year. We're also going to put uh, marigolds in with some of our plants, both in the greenhouse and outside. I'm going to, my raised beds, I'm going to put perimeters of marigolds, and I might even put some some, uh, sunflowers around some of my raised beds right on the edge where they'll still grow, even if I would use a, a black plastic where they can still go. Uh, even with plastic in there. So anyway, I'm I'm going to try that a little bit there and then I'm going to also try oh what's the word I'm looking for? I just I just lock Oh, I'm also going to try some companion planting just for space utilization. For instance, practically every gardener knows what the three sisters are and that's corn, beans, and squash. So my corn this year that I'm growing in my greenhouse is I'm going to go ahead and my corn, as it gets up just a little bit higher, I'm going to plant some vining green beans on them and let the green beans vine up the corn stalks. And one of the reasons you do this is as the beans, or, or you can do peas like this, as beans or peas grow, they help fix nitrogen in the soil. They're legumes. Nitrogen is much needed by corn. Corn needs a lot of nitrogen to get to its full potential. Uh, And at the same time, it provides a natural trellis for the peas or beans to to climb on. Now, I probably wouldn't put peas in my greenhouse because peas grow fantastic outdoors here. But I am going to put some warm weather green beans, vining green beans, in with my corn, and obviously I'm not I'm not going to put squash in there of any kind uh, because there's just not enough room for that. But one of the theories on uh, places that grow all this stuff outdoors is that the squash, uh, in windy conditions, the squash can actually help protect the corn from being knocked over from a heavy wind. So anyway, that's uh, that's not a necessarily a case. For us, I I still don't know of uh, anybody that has actually been successful uh, growing too much corn 
outdoors without protecting it somehow, putting a, uh, a plastic fence around it or something to protect it from the wind and get it going. And I've tried corn up. I even tried the, uh, the Alaska developed variety, the Yukon chief. And I'll tell you, I just, uh, I didn't have any luck. I've tried it two, two years, no luck. So I'm, I'm just going to plant, uh, in the, in my greenhouse now, I'm not going to mess with it outdoors. So anyway, but anyway, yeah, think about your companion planting that you can do. And, uh, you know, it, uh, it, it can help, you know, it can help create healthier, more productive vegetable garden. Uh, it's, and it's about relationship, you know, in nature, different plants like to grow with each other, you know, so that, that they, they have, uh, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? A symbiotic relationship, you know, one that, that helps each other, you know, so some plants will flourish when grown near other types of plants. Now, one of the things, all the recommendations I've seen is not to plant your corn too close to your tomatoes because they are both heavy feeders and the corn will be competing with your tomatoes for the nutrients. So, so you've got to kind of do a little research to see, uh, knowing which relationships work and which don't. Uh, and you know, you can, you can find that everywhere where, uh, you know, and as I said, take for instance, when corn and beans are grown together, beans help corn grow better because they fix the nitrogen and corn thrives when nitrogen is present. So when beans are grown with corn, the corn gains the access to increased nitrogen levels and the end result's a better corn crop, but then you've got a great green bean crop, a bean crop also. So anyway, anyway, that's just some thoughts on that. So, but, and then there again, we were talking about how to use companion planting to help control insects. And like I said, do a little research. I've, you know, I've tried uh, the neem oil thing. I've tried just spraying my uh, plants down with, a, with water that knocks all the bugs off, the, typically the aphids and that sort of thing. Uh, but I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to try, I'm going to try this with this uh, companion plant, see if that helps a little bit. And one of the other things uh, that marigold and nasturtiums are purported to do is uh, the chemicals that they release have been known to deter rabbits when planted, uh, when you plant them as a border around your vegetable garden. So that's another, we've, uh, I tell you, this must, this must be a high year on the, on the graph, the life cycle graph, because we've got, we've seen more snowshoe hares in our yard and our area and our woods this year than many, many years. And you folks, I'm sure you folks, if you remember from high school biology, the 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 lag when when uh, rabbit populations start going way up then like the lynx and the fox populations go up because there's so much food for them to eat and they're a lag you get a big you get a big curve of rabbits and then right after that you get a big high curve of the predators and then once they eat all the their prey out then both of their populations start to go down the rabbit population goes down and then the predator population starts going down because they've they've eaten, and that's a that's a normal cycle that uh, biologists have noticed for years and years. So anyway, you know, you uh, planting. Uh, we've got a lot of nasturtiums going. Uh, Going to plant some marigolds and nasturtiums around our our beds. Uh, and I'm thinking about I'm thinking about around the bottom of my fence in my around my outdoor garden is maybe putting three foot of chicken wire too, <laughs> you know, that, that might help. But uh, those rabbits are really big and they're going to have a heck of a time getting through the fence. You know, I've told folks I use, I use cattle panels and hog panels for my fencing uh, just with a T, a steel T fence post. And that is, those have worked, uh, those have worked great. And the holes on those are a little bit big. Uh, so I don't know, it kind of depends. If I see any problem, I may do that. And, uh, and then if they're, and if they're that bad, I might have to, uh, well, I might have to ask them to leave, uh, terminate with extreme prejudice. I hate to do that because they are fun to watch. So anyway, what else, uh, what else grows well? Uh, some of the additional benefits of companion planting. Well, besides that, there are some plants that just seem to grow well together, you know, uh, and a, and a good example of this, and we've done this for, for a lot of years, is 
leaf lettuce and basil grown with your tomatoes. You know, the tomatoes grow, they give some shade to the lettuce. Uh, the lettuce is uh, basically a living mulch to the soil around the tomatoes. You know, so I'm going to try a lot of that stuff this year. Instead of just keeping a row of lettuce, a row of basil, I'm going to I'm going to do a lot more interplanting this year. They help uh, the the basil and the lettuce. They help conserve moisture in the ground. Like I said, it's a natural mulch, and they also um, help keep competing weeds at bay too so uh, the basil helps provide insect protection by naturally they re- repel known pests and uh, and and i don't know this is a i don't know if this is an old wild tale if there's any studies done but it's been said that growing basil around tomatoes improves the overall flavor of the tomatoes i don't know but boy i'll tell you what it's hard to beat a fresh out of the garden homegrown tomato isn't it and uh that's uh that is pretty hard to beat. That is absolutely a hard to beat. And you know, tomatoes are the one thing that people have always lo- loved to grow. Back in the Midwest, back in central Missouri when I was a kid, it was always a competition. Now, I don't mean people that have greenhouses or anything like that, but when you're g- growing your tomatoes outside, the competition was to see who could get the first really good ripe tomato by the 4th of July. That was the day you were hoping to get your first tartan to harvest your tomatoes was by the 4th of July. Well, and like I said up here, that's uh, that's not necessarily uh, something we can easily do. Although, like I said, we did have the, the one uh, local gardener who's, man, he's been harvesting huge tomatoes, but he's got a heated greenhouse again. So anyway, that's, uh, that's one of those things that that doesn't really count when you're talking about outdoor gardening. We're not getting a tomato by the 4th of July up here, that's for sure. Uh, I've got a few more announcements I'd like to make before we get back into talking about companion planting. And uh, one of the announcements is, you know, I want to remind everyone, uh, and, and another big thank you to Kenai Feed and Fritz Miller at TNT Compost, because right now during the month of May, and this is for the month of May only, the... Central Peninsula Garden Club is having their annual fundraiser of soil amendments. Well, and in years past, you folks that have done this before, and I, I used to run this for a couple of years, uh, we would, you would order through us, you would pay through us, and then we'd have a single pickup day at Kenai Feed where everybody would come through and pick up what they ordered. And that worked okay, except I'll have to tell you, we started having trouble getting volunteers to help and i'm getting old enough again now where i did okay but boy it pooped me out and we just had trouble with the volunteers so we checked with kenai feed and fritz and sarah was up for it fritz was up for it we're now for the month of may when you buy the items that we're selling in our amendment sale you go right to Kenai Feed to make your purchase. We've got the, the Kodiak fish meal. We've got uh, Michael Hicks's grandpa's worm castings, which is fantastic stuff. We've got some lime. Uh, we've got Four Corners compost. And then Fritz Miller is selling uh, his compost. You can buy his stuff in a one cubic foot grow bag where it's in those fabric bags and... And it, uh, uh, you just plant right into it, and then he's got his 30-cubic-foot 30, 30 super sacks. Well, when you buy a super sack from Fritz or those other items I mentioned from Kenai Feed, be sure to mention to him that you're doing this for the Garden Club, too. Well, then Fritz and Sarah each, they will write the Garden Club a check as a donation to the Garden Club for for the amount of materials, these items that were identified for sale. So we figured that worked out pretty good. Uh, neither one of them, Sarah, thought it was a pretty good idea. She was happy to give it a try this year. So uh, we, we're hoping that that really works well for us because it's, it's so much easier than trying to coordinate everything and get volunteers to go out and help load up. And I'll tell you what, folks, last year... Uh, 
I, I tried to get some volunteers, and who we wound up volunteering last year was I had a couple of young girls from the local 4-H. They're the ones that came and helped. Now, these girls, they did a fan, and I can't think of their names right now, but they did such a fantastic job helping me. But I had a 15-year-old and a, 14, a 13-year-old girl out there heaving 50-pound sacks of material, and that just doesn't cut it, folks. So anyway, uh, this is what we're trying now. Go to Kenai Feed. Uh, you can give Sarah a call at 907-252-1929 or give Fritz a call at 907-398-8851. And uh, Fritz will uh, coordinate the super sack delivery. We sold 14 super sacks last year through the regular amendment sale. And Fritz has to deliver those for you. That's part of the deal. Uh, they're a little expensive, $400, but I'll tell you what, it's fantastic stuff. Uh, I've used Fritz's compost before, and it's absolutely wonderful stuff. Uh, Michael Hicks's uh, worms, they're fantastic. Uh, I, use his, I use his stuff. I'll sprinkle it on top of my beds. And that's, a, that's another good point I wanted to bring up to everybody is when you're using these things, I don't always till them or mix them in with the soil. Uh, one of the reasons for that is whenever you whenever you put your plant in the ground, now, now Fritz's stuff is good compost, but for fertilizing and stuff, you know, I might throw, a, a, depending on what I'm planting, some things in the bottom of the hole. But for the most part, I like to fertilize on the surface. It's the same way with Michael's worm castings because when you water, those nutrients go down into the soil. So I don't like to mix everything in too much and then water because you potentially could be washing away a lot of the nutrients away from the roots of your plant. You want stuff to go to the roots of your plant. So anyway, that's that's one of my beliefs anyway. But yeah, thanks uh, thanks to Keen Eye Feed. Uh, they're... Uh, Sarah and Rupert out there are fantastic. And if you need a high tunnel, uh, they're the place to go for a good high tunnel. And Sarah told me here a while back, you know, this last winter, and if folks uh, on, went past the food bank on K Beach, you noticed that their high tunnel collapsed due to the snow. I went in and talked to him about it, and he said it actually wasn't doing too bad holding up, and it collapsed actually when they all got out there with the big uh, snow rake and started to pull the snow off. So uh, I don't know if they'd have been okay if they wouldn't have touched. But anyway, one of the things Sarah said is all they're pretty much going to sell now is the Gothic design, you know, where it's kind of got more of a pointed roof because those have been proven to shed snow a little bit better. So anyway, uh, that's what that's what their plan is now. One other thing I want to mention is for all you paid-up members of the Central Peninsula Garden Club, uh, here coming up, in just a couple of weeks, or getting into June, uh, the Garden Club will be doing a drawing for all paid-up members of the Garden Club for a really nice basket from Trinity Greenhouse. Uh, Darren Henry, uh, this he will have donated two baskets to us this year. He donated a basket, a nice hanging basket, for the home show that uh, was won by uh, in, a, in a drawing. But for the paid-up members of the club... And I've done this before. I'll put all your names in a spreadsheet. And I'll have your name, your phone number, your email address. And I go through a multitude of random of random uh, sorting of the page. And then I go to a random number generator. And I pick a random, this random number generator. You tell it how many people, and you hit it. It goes through some calculations, and boom, it pops up a random number. Well, then that random number, if your name's on the line of how all these were sorted, that, in fact, is who wins the basket. And if you remember, uh, Lisa Coates won last year. Beautiful basket. And I met her at uh, Trinity and got some pictures of her and helped her load it because I'll tell you what, it thing was huge. It was monstrous. It was beautiful. So I hope Lisa, hope Lisa enjoyed that last year. It was uh, absolutely wonderful. And whoever wins this year, uh, same way, uh, we'll contact you, and then I'll probably meet you at Trinity and help you load it up. 
and then I can get some pictures of you and uh, put you in our in our newsletter. So, and then another reminder, folks, is next year uh, the Central Peninsula Garden Club we meet on the second Saturday of the month, and we're going to be meeting at Kenai Peninsula College now. Uh, College Heights Baptist Church has been wonderful, absolutely wonderful to us, but we're going to go to Kenai Peninsula College. And uh, but we are still going to have the plant sale, the, the Garden Club plant sale fundraiser on June the 10th, opening at 10 a.m. at College Heights Baptist Church on the end. As you're as you drive in, you'll see on the end that uh, big pavilion they've got. Uh, we'll be having the plant sale there again. And as we've said before, be sure you get there early because people line up. And stuff goes fast, and uh, I can definitely attest to that. And I'll I'll see all you folks there at ten o'clock because I'll be there taking some pictures of everybody for the newsletter, which I do each year. So anyway, uh, that and uh, that brings me up to another announcement: is I've done the newsletter now for a couple of years. Well, I'm I'm going to stop doing it, but I'm what I am going to do is I'm going to keep doing it through the end of this year. So if any of you feel like you would like to be an editor or write the newsletter or anything, give Central Peninsula Garden Club uh, an email at uh, C-E-N-P-E-N Garden Club at gmail.com or go uh, to me and talk talk to some of the board of directors and and see if uh, you'd be interested in doing the newsletter. Uh, so I've done it. I've done it. It's uh, it's long enough, and I've I've enjoyed doing it. But it's time to go on to something different. So hopefully, some of you listeners might think about about wanting to be the uh, the new newsletter editor. All right. Well, let's get back a little bit and talk about some companion planning. And I'm gonna I'm gonna just kind of go down, and I'm gonna go ahead and tell you that that uh, I'm looking I'm looking at a, a list that I found and printed off at home and after a little bit of research I did on this certain things that seem to work well with other plants that symbiotic relationship as I as I told you here before uh, like broccoli the recommendation is you can plant broccoli near beans carrots cucumbers and lettuce that you should avoid planting broccoli near your peppers and tomatoes. So, like I said, I'd have to do a little more research to see what that reasoning is. Is it because of attracting pests? Is it competition for nutrients? I, I don't know. I'd, I'd, I'd love to find that stuff out more. Um, cucumbers. They recommend you plant them near beans, corn, and radishes. Corn works really well as it'll also provide some shade for your cucumbers, and that's a pretty good point in a greenhouse. Well, you could, uh, instead of doing beans, you could do, uh, you know, and maybe I'll just try that. Maybe I'll plant a couple of cucumber plants in with that corn, and instead of being squash, I'll just let the cucumbers motor around and vine around all around all the all the corn stalks. I'm going to do that, folks. That's what I'm going to do. I'll tell you, I just happened to think of it from reading this. I'm going to give that a try this year. So anyway, I think that'd be, I think that'd be cool. Uh, and, you know, I'd probably have to keep it from vining up the, the corn, or they might vine out, they might uh, uh, push out the, the beans. But, boy, if that could get them to just train them to go along the ground, that'd be fantastic. says you should avoid planting cucumbers around potatoes uh, because the, the uh, cucumbers can kind of encourage blight in your potatoes. Garlic. Uh, plant garlic near tomatoes and cabbage. Uh, you should avoid planting near peas and beans. Onions. You can plant near beets, cabbage, carrots, and lettuce. You should av- avoid planting uh, onions near beans and peas. Your peas, you can also plant them with your corn. Plant them uh, close to celery, carrots, cucumbers, radishes, tomatoes, and turnips. You should avoid planting with onions, garlic, and shallots, as I, as I said a minute ago. And uh, peppers. I, uh, I typically grow peppers and tomatoes in the same area of my greenhouse, and that has always worked well, too. It says peppers peppers do well with tomatoes, cabbage, carrots, and onions, but avoid planting near potatoes. And then potatoes, you can plant those near beans, cabbage, corn, peas, squash, and eggplant. And as we said before, you should avoid planting close to cucumbers, pumpkins, peppers, and tomatoes. 
And the one crop we all love to grow in the greenhouse, and that is tomatoes. Tomatoes do well when planted around cabbage, carrots, basil, onions, and peppers. Um, there again, keep tomatoes away from potatoes. And uh, that's a, that's a, uh, I think that's a, probably a competition uh, with that. But I'm going to tell you one thing, folks, since they're both a member of the nightshade family, I'm going to try to graft a tomato top onto a, a potato root system. I don't know if it'll work. I've done, I've grafted tomatoes before. So I'm going to give it a try, you know, because it, whether you believe it or not, you, you actually can grow potatoes in the ground and tomato on top. I don't think they've ever done really well. You know, if you remember those ads you used to see uh, in the in the tabloid papers or wherever where you would be planting a, a, uh, a potato plant that had tomatoes on top. I've watched a few videos on this and... There's never a really, really good production of uh, of either one, tomato or potato. But I'll tell you what, I'm going to give it a try because it's it's fun to do, and and I just think uh, experimentation is really fun to do in the in the greenhouse. And the next thing now, folks, to let you know, when we've been talking about companion planting, I'm going to talk about something regular now that you folks know that I absolutely love to grow, and that is root crops, specifically potatoes. I just love to grow potatoes and and I think in uh, root crops because I think it's just I think it's just the excitement of not knowing what's underground and being surprised now there's also disappointment when you're planting a potato and nothing comes up and as I've said before, I plant all my potatoes in containers because it's just so easy to pick that container up and Put it on top of a screen, let the dirt fall through, and you got nothing but potatoes left sitting on top of that screen. The neighbor kids love to come down and help me do that. They've come down and helped for a number of years now. The older ones, as they're getting older into their teens, they're not too much of it. But the but the six-year-old and the eight-year-old, they still love to come down and help harvest our potatoes, and they're always welcome to come and help us with that because it's a, it's a lot of fun, and it gets them uh, enthused. And I will have to tell you, I'm uh, I'm so proud of my little buddy Harvey uh down the street. He had the idea. He he wanted to grow a corn plant. So what he did is he took he took an Orville Redenbacher's popcorn popcorn kernel and he's got a 3-foot corn stalk now. They grow it they were growing it in the house. But yeah, his Orville Redden popcorn kernel sprouted and it's growing great. You know, and it's uh, he's so proud of that thing, and I'm proud of him for getting it going too, and uh, and I'm going to be interested and in see what happens, what happens with it at all. He only planted one, so uh, the I think the odds of him getting popcorn on it are pretty slim. But hey, the little guy got it going, and it worked fine, and uh, as far as sprouting goes, and that's uh, that just tickles me to death that uh, my little buddy Harv. Uh, was able to do that. And, you know, folks, uh, not to digress too far uh, on a tangent, but there's things in the grocery store that will grow uh, that you can you can buy. You know, you go down the bean aisle of the grocery store, all that stuff will grow. Uh, the lima beans, the butter beans, uh, the... Uh, Oh, uh, the bean—the beans you make refried beans out of—I just lost the name of them out of my head. But all those will grow, actually. And in fact, I've told folks before, my very first garden that I remember wasn't a real garden. But when I was in—I'll never forget this. When I was in first grade, I got mom's sack of navy beans from the kitchen, and I went out in our backyard and I threw them all over the backyard. Well, we had some rain. Well, they all sprouted. And our backyard was full of bean plants growing up. And my dad was getting ready to cut the grass. And I go, Dad, you can't, you can't cut down my beans. I remember this. You know, that's one of those things I remember from childhood. I go, Dad, you can't cut my beans down. Well, he was so cool about it. And when I look back on that, you know, I'd have been, my dad would have been like 30 or 31 at the time. Anyway, he cut the grass in a serpentine pattern and he went all around those bean plants and let them grow and i'll tell you what i'll never forget we got a ton of beans off of them 
So that's one of the things to do for kids is uh, just plant some of those things that you can get in the grocery store and get them enthused in gardening. And that was, uh, but that was so much fun for me as a kid back then. I think that's one of the things that got me going in gardening. And one of the other reasons was I wanted to plant, I wanted to be like my uncle Bert, uh, my mom's and dad's, uh, my mom's brother-in-law. He married my, my aunt Kathleen and he had a wonderful garden. And when we visit, I love being in uncle Bert's garden with him and he'd show me stuff. And I remember thinking, I want to be a gardener like my uncle Bert. And because my folks didn't really, really do that stuff. So anyway, uh, those are the kind of things that, that really get you fired up on becoming a gardener. Uh, and, and, you know, those are those will be some of the things that uh, when your kids are older, they, they might tell that story, too, in a, in a different way. So, yeah, get those things in the store. I get those kids fired up. You know, one of the things I've done before, too, that gets kids fired up, and, and it's really kind of neat, is, you know, the uh, the clear plastic a dozen egg cartons you can get. You get your eggs in and they're clear plastic. If you use something hot or cut and put a hole in the very center of the top of the egg carton and then put water in the little, uh, as, long, as long as, you know, they don't have holes, as long as they'll hold water, put water in the little cup part underneath that the egg was sitting in and then take your green onions and when you cut the top off the green onion for the green part, Put the white part down through those holes, and I'll tell you what, in a day, you're going to start getting green sprouts. You can cut them. You keep cutting them as you keep watering. I'll actually put a little bit of uh, of uh, miracle Grow blue water in there, and I'll tell you what, those things will go and grow a little bit longer than you would think they would, and it's really, and it's really cool, too, So uh, and it's fun to do. So anyway... Uh, well, we're coming up to the end of the show, folks, and I've really had fun today. I hope uh, I hope what I've talked about, I hope uh, that you've enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, we, uh, well, yep, and there's there's the signal that we're up to the last couple of minutes of the show. A little bit of Octopus's Garden by the Beatles. Uh, uh, thanks again for listening to Growing a Greener Kenai. We have a lot of fun doing it. Don't forget... And I'll keep reminding you, don't forget on August 19th, Growing Your Greener Kenai, we will have Joe Lample, nationally known gardener from Growing a Greener World and the Joe Gardener Podcast. Joe is a wealth of information. Even though he gardens in the Atlanta area, which is totally different from us, he still is a wonderful gardener and he travels around the country and I don't know if you watched a couple years ago but he uh, Growing a Greener World was in Alaska they went up by Denali up by Healy and uh, and it was a, it was a great show you know it'd be really cool if we could get him uh, down here on the peninsula sometime so anyway uh, we've had a lot of fun uh, today don't forget the amendment sale fundraiser for the garden club at Kenai Feed and with Fritz Miller at uh, TNT Compost. Uh, 907-252-1929 for Kenai Feed. 907-398-8851 for Fritz. And uh, thanks again to everybody for listening. Uh, like I said before, I have a lot of fun doing this. And we're going to have some more guests on, on too. Uh, Jeff Whiteside from Frosty Gardens up at Fairbanks will be a guest here coming up this summer. So... Thanks again for listening, folks. Have a great day. Get out in the garden. And this is listener-supported public radio for the central Kenai Peninsula, KDLL 91.9 FM, and we'll close out with a little bit of Octopus's Garden. Thanks for listening, folks. See you next time.